I'm Sam Slater from Fun Calibre, and today I've been joined by Rebecca Myatt, who's a portfolio manager on the Elite Rated Global Listed Infrastructure Fund, but also lead manager of the Responsible Listed Infrastructure Fund. Hi, Rebecca. Thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me. So perhaps we could start on why investors should consider responsible listed infrastructure. Why does sustainability matter in this area? Yeah, so responsible listed infrastructure is, you know, the marriage between listed infrastructure and socially responsible investing. It appeals to a broad group of investors who want a commitment towards, you know, an environmental or social goals, as well as a financial risk adjusted return. Infrastructure assets are often characterized by their large environmental footprints and social license to operate. This gives them scope to have significant impact both on the planet and the people within it and makes them ideal candidates for this type of investing. And you've chosen the UN Sustainable Development Goals as a a metric for this fund. Why did you choose those and not something else? Yeah, so we like the UN Sustainable Development Goals because they acknowledge that achieving a sustainable future is a journey and that every company has a role to play in getting us to that destination. Um, As well as environmental criteria, the SDGs also target social criteria, uh, and these are particularly relevant for infrastructure assets, given that they provide essential services to a large number of people. We've definitely preferred this than targeting a single metric. So, for example, a number of people seem to target a carbon number. But if you ask an infrastructure portfolio manager to lower the carbon, then they just wouldn't invest in utilities and they could you know, have more oil pipelines in the portfolio, for example. But that's probably not what you want from, um, you know, from trying to lower the carbon, because clearly you're trying to push for that energy transition. Now, by focusing on sustainable development goal number seven, which is affordable clean energy, and sustainable development goal number 13, climate action, there's a natural bias to owning utilities that can accelerate the build-out of renewables at the expense of things like coal generation. And we believe that this approach is much more relevant because it delivers meaningful change. And you kind of you mentioned carbon a bit there. How does um, net zero fit into all of this? Well, net zero will really only be achieved by a substantial investment in infrastructure assets. You know, if you think about the 2020s, we think we're going to see a continued decarbonisation of the power generation sector. You know, that's been happening for the last decade. Um, So that's going to be an acceleration in renewables and further closure of coal plants. When we get into that late 2020s, early 2030s, we're going to be talking about um, electrification of the transportation sector. And really, when, when we're talking about that, you know, around 75% of the investment is actually in the transmission and distribution networks behind the charging stations. So if we are going to electrify transportation, then it's really investing in the utilities that, that will get us there. And then when we get to the late 2030s, early 2040s, you know, we see technologies such as hydrogen, which will help us to, um, you know, decarbonize industry. So when we're talking about industry, we're talking about um, how we think about gas. We're talking about um, aviation and shipping and, and space heating. And really, it's the utilities that are investing today that will enable that um, hydrogen to be cost competitive in the 2040s and to be used to decarbonize that industrial sector, which is by far the hardest to do. So you can see from from all of that, that in in the pathway to get to net zero, it just requires significant investment in infrastructure, which leads to structural earnings growth drivers for these stocks. And what's your view on engagement versus divestment? How do you 
how do you think investors can actually help enforce positive change? Now, like I, I think divestment just doesn't work. You know, as equity analysts, we're really trying to think forward. We're trying to think about how can a company change and how can we be part of helping that company change and, and be on that journey? You know, just by saying, oh, this company is bad um, and we're not going to invest in it. Those shares just get traded in the market and someone else buys them. But there's no ton of carbon um, that actually gets reduced through through um, through doing that divestment. So, you know, we think that by engaging with companies um, and by helping them um, to push forward in terms of their investments, um, we can really lead to positive change in the future. And there's obviously a lot of disruption and volatility in the energy sector at the moment. How is that impacting some of the companies that you're invested in? Yeah, so with the halting of Russian gas supplies to Europe, you know, we've seen electricity prices increase, you know, tenfold um, to what is now an energy crisis. Um, Customers are clearly struggling to pay their bills. Um, We've seen a number of politicians intervene um, to find, you know, short term solutions to ease prices. Um, But really, um, there's a lot more that needs to happen for us to become independent of Russian gas. So in the short term, um, you know, we've seen politicians try to cap the gas price, um, cap the electricity price, find ways to reduce consumption, and then just doing outright windfall taxes. Um, you know, we've seen a number of companies do their uh, countries do their own thing. So there's been no consistency between the countries either. Um, you know, when we're thinking about integrated utilities in Europe, we actually think that in the short term, um, the only way to solve this crisis is going to be by trying to get multiple different sources of gas from different countries and also for everyone to be consuming less. When we think longer term, um, the majority of the way that we're going to get there and get off Russian gas is going to be by further investment in renewables and in um, in the networks behind the renewables and also in LNG infrastructure, because we're now going to be importing gas from places like the US. So I think we're going to go through a time where, um, you know, it's still going to be a lot of uncertainty, a lot of political intervention. And from a portfolio perspective, we're definitely tilting more towards um, the U.S. utilities where we see significant investment opportunities um, on a number of fronts. You know, if you think in the U.S., around 28 percent of their energy is coming from renewable sources versus Europe at 38. So first of all, we've got this catch up trade. And then we've got an acceleration towards net zero. And the Inflation Reduction Act that was enacted not so long ago is clearly supportive for the continued investment in both renewables um, and also in energy storage and hydrogen. And obviously, one of the knock-on consequences of this energy crisis has been it's been helping to push up inflation. How does listed infrastructure behave in a really high inflationary environment? Yeah, so we think around 70% of the investment universe has some form of inflation protection. Now, that can come in a few different ways. So it can come in an explicit link to inflation through regulation or a concession agreement or or contract. Um, And that's really where, um, you know, say a utility will earn a real return and inflation will be a direct path through to the consumer with a lag. Um, The other way that we can pass through inflation is through 
pricing power. So take the US freight railways, for example. They've been able to increase their prices because they're in this duopolistic market structure. And they can they can basically pass through their operating costs as well as protecting and enhancing their return. Um, so, you know, clearly when we're in a really high inflationary environment like today, um, this social license to operate really comes into play. And we've seen a number of customers trying to find innovative ways to smooth the effects um, of this infl high inflationary environment to consumers whilst remaining NPV neutral. And that could be the extension of a concession um, for having a, a lower price impact today, um, or that could be um, a smoothing out of how they take inflation over a number of years. Um, so I think having that social license to operate is really important when um, consumers are clearly struggling um, for the affordability of their energy bills. That was really interesting. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for having me. And if you'd like to find out more about the First Centia Global Listed Infrastructure Fund, please go to fundcaliber.com. Please remember, we've been discussing individual companies to bring investing to life for you. It's not a recommendation to buy or sell. The fund may or may not still hold these companies at the time of listening. Elite ratings are based on Fund Calibre's research methodology and are the opinion of Fund Calibre's research team only. 